I thought about sitting on the stool, Joel, but now I'm going to, let's preach. <laughs> oh, praise God. Haven't had this for a, nearly a year. I know, it feels official. We're not too official here. Oh, good morning, folks. So it's good. It's good to be here. And, uh, and, and it's good to be able to just bring you some, some of the word this morning. And um, earlier this year, I found myself in the book of Titus. And I just want to share just some thoughts, some ponderings from that letter. Uh, that's one of the little letters right at the back of the New Testament there, uh, written by the Apostle Paul um, to a young pastor named Titus. And um, uh, who's, who, hasn't, who has never read Titus? Okay, so, so it's at least a little bit familiar to you guys. I just want to pull some stuff out of there this morning. Um, now, Paul, now, just back, a little bit of background here. Not sure when Titus was written. Some believe that it, it, it was written um, after Paul. You remember the book of Acts, okay? The, the, the latter part of Acts where, where Paul is on the ship. He's a prisoner and he's bound for Rome. He's in chains. And, uh, and you ready? remember that they, they're um, moored off, a, um, off an island called Crete in the Mediterranean. And they set sail and they end up in the shipwreck. And then the book of Acts has Paul finishing up in Rome under house arrest. He's got relative freedom there. People can come and visit him. He gets to teach, disciple people. And, uh, and then the book of Acts just finishes. Now, some scholars believe that after uh, Paul was released from that house arrest in Rome, that he did a fourth, uh, at least a fourth missionary journey, which would have included um, going to, back to that island called Crete. And uh, the reason that they believe that is a number of his epistles um, mention different people and their different placements around the Mediterranean, around the modern day world. But, um, but, but for, the, for today's purposes, we're going to imagine that that's what's happened. And so Paul uh, has left Titus, his, his, uh, his apprentice, if you will, his young pastor, on the island of Crete. Let me just get this working here. Here's, there's our Mediterranean there, and there's our island of Crete right there in the middle. Um, Crete, Crete didn't have the best reputation. It wasn't known uh, for its sophistication. Uh, that, that term that we have, you cretin, okay, comes from the people of Crete, seriously, okay? Um, some, some might say it was the Nambour of the Mediterranean, <laughs> but, but we know better, and it was more likely the Gimpy. Okay. All right. So, so picture Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, what was that island that they went to, Tortuga or something like that? That was kind of similar to what Crete would have, would have been like. Okay. Not many savoury characters there. But, but Paul has visited there. He's left Titus there uh, to strengthen and establish the churches that have been planted. Now, Paul, as you, as you know, his... His modus operandi, his, his whole intention was to plant churches all over the Mediterranean at, at very strategic locations. And Crete was another strategic location. It was, a, if you like, a highway and a byway of, of the ancient world. Uh, even though it was an island there in the middle of nowhere, it was um, a place where often ships would stop, people would come, cargo would be offloaded. And so it made sense for Paul to plant churches there and to start a gospel work in, on the island of Crete. Okay, so there's our background, probably written around the early 60s. And um, 
after the book of Acts. Speaking of which, quick little ad, we have the book of Acts coming here to Flame Tree. You guys know that? Hey, Thursday nights starting this week for five weeks, we're having our friends from YWAM, their Bible college are going to come and teach through the book of Acts. So if you want to jump deeper into that book, uh, come along on Thursday nights from 7 till 8.30 for the next five weeks. All right. But Crete, being the place that it was, um, full of unsophistication and full of, I guess, a, a very worldly place and a very mixed place. It wasn't a religious centre. It was definitely a secular centre. Um, I just thought this morning would be cool to pull out some Titus, some ponderings from Titus, and look at some principles for life and ministry in times of dramatic change and an uncertain culture. It sounds a little bit like the West today, don't you think? Um, Dramatic change and an uncertain culture. Now, first thing I want to pull out this morning is that Paul writes to Titus and really encourages him to practice and to teach a sound faith. Uh, In fact, in uh, chapter 1, verse 1, Uh, Paul writes, you know, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. There is a knowledge of a truth that leads to godliness. And the, the message puts it like this. He says, getting out the accurate word on God and how to respond to it. And I like that. Getting out the accurate word on God and how then we might respond to it. In order to respond well to the Word of God, we need to have an accurate Word. We need to have a sound faith. Uh, Theology is important. The study of God is important. Uh, Sometimes when you you listen to to Joel and and to I, you might get the idea that we're (laughs) anti-theology or we're anti-good doctrine. We're not. We just say that it's not the be-all and end-all. But theology, having a sound faith, is important because a theology, a sound faith, can lead us to a sound life. If, if, if theology or doctrine is, is the be-all and end-all, then, then what's the Scripture say? Knowledge puffs up. It's not about what we know, but who you know. And so a good theology must lead us to a, a jaw-dropping awe at the wonderful God, the mystery of God that that he has deemed to make himself known to us. And yet even in this lifetime, as we seek to know him, we're just scratching the surface. There's so much more to God than we could ever know. So theology is important as it leads us to awe and mystery and as it leads us to a good lifestyle. Um, Getting out the accurate word on God and how we respond to it. So it's not what you know, it's who you know and how you respond to the who you know. You know? You with me? Okay. So a sound faith, you know, one of those big old words is orthodoxy. You know, having a, having a true doxy, a true doctrine, a true faith. But for Paul, orthodoxy must lead to orthopraxy, the right practice of that faith. Orthodoxy must lead to orthopraxy or it's not really much use at all. And this is what one of the things that he's writing to Titus. 
there. In those um, churches that have been established in Crete, in this place, this kind of intersection of, of culture and civilization, you know, you've you got to be on about not only a good, sound doctrine, but a sound lifestyle as well. And so he, he repeats this uh, a few times here. Um, let's have a look here. Um, chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, you must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Yeah. That's orthodoxy. And then a little bit later in chapter 2 from verse 11, he says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It, what's it? The grace of God. The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. And so that's a verse about orthopraxy, to live upright, self-controlled lives in this godless age. And it's not on our own merit, but it's the grace of God that leads us to do that. Sometimes we we focus on, you know, responding to the grace of God, the the unmerited favour of God when we come to Jesus, when we give our lives to him. And then we go and live our Christian lives as, as as if it's all up to us. No, the grace of God is there at the beginning. It's there through the middle and it's there at the end as well. It's the goodness of God overflowing in our life that can teach us and then can help us apply what we are learning into our lives. Orthodoxy must lead to orthopraxy, but it's all from grace. So here's a principle that I want to share from this. Um, Simply this, know what you believe so you can live well. Philippians 2, 12 to 18, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. As the world gets darker and darker, um, know what you believe so that you may live well. But if you don't know what you believe, then how can you live a life that reflects a sound faith? Ephesians 4, 14 and 15. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. We get to grow up in him together as we work out our salvation, knowing what we believe, holding it all in mystery and awe, but also letting it flow into a lifestyle that makes a difference. And if you're sitting here this morning, you know, looking around at you, most of you have been walking with Jesus for years and years and years and years. But some of you may be new to the faith. And if you are new to the Christian faith, you're not maybe sure where to start. Where do I start in knowing what to believe? Well, for all of us, whether you're a mature believer or not, we've just got to come back to Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. It begins and ends with Jesus, the revelation of his death and the resurrection. And together with one another, we grow up into him. He is the first and the last, the all in all, the object of our sound faith, our orthodoxy. And we follow his example in our life and in our behaviour. 
So we need to come back time and time again at the words, the works and the ways of Jesus as we live out this sound faith. All right, another principle. A profound simplicity. And today is really simplicity, guys. Today is, is a simple message. And, and Paul is advocated to Titus to go after a profound simplicity. You think about that term, you know, a profound, it's, it's deep, it's multi-layered, it's textured. There's something worth thinking about here. And yet on the, sa- on the same hand, it's, it's simple. It's a simple gospel that, that we follow. And in a time of convoluted messages, as uh, Titus was experiencing in Crete, um, Paul encourages him to keep to a simple gospel. Chapter 1, verse 10, For there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are ruining whole households by teaching things that ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. So here in in Crete, what was happening, it seems, were that there were um, those of the circumcision group, uh, the Judaizers, if you like, uh, that Paul has a lot to say about in the letter to the Galatians. Okay, so these were Jewish Christians who um, said to Gentiles that actually in order to follow Christ, you have to become a Jew first. And for the blokes, that was particularly painful. Okay. We know what Paul's stance is on that. He says, no, it's by grace alone. You don't have to become a Jew before you become a Christian. But these Judaizers, these, these circumcision group have, have made their way even to as far as Crete and are seeking to, um, to influence and to lead astray some of these new believers. And Paul is, is saying to Titus, no, no, preach the gospel. Keep it, keep it simple. There are no strings attached when it comes to having Jesus in your life. Jesus is enough. You don't have to become a Jew first. Keep it simple. But at the same time, the locals, the, the Cretans who, who were Greeks, were kind of, I mean, their background, you think of it, a spiritual background was with Greek mythology, uh, all, all the gods. And, and so what seemed to be happening was that even in their mix, there was all this kind of hybrid faith of Jesus plus Zeus, you know, or Jesus plus Hermes. And so there was, again, a lot of, a lot of mixture there, a lot of mix-up. And, and Paul is simply directing Titus to teach the Cretan believers to live a sound and simple faith, uncomplicated by religion and untainted by the world. And I encourage all of us to do the same that we would live a sound and simple faith, uncomplicated by religion and untainted by the world. Jesus is enough in this lifetime. It's not Jesus plus a particular gifting or Jesus plus a preferred style of worship or even Jesus plus a a political party that you line up with. We, we can have those preferences, but, but we need to draw a solid line in the sand when it comes to actually my life and what it counts for is Jesus. He is enough. Yeah. Yeah. So we keep, we keep ourselves uncomplicated from religion, and isn't that hard? <laughs> and untainted from the world, and isn't that harder still? Yeah. So the principle for this is keep it simple, saints. You see what I did there? 
You know what I meant? <laughs> Keep it simple. Oh, wow. All right. Keep it simple. Yeah. Chapter 3 of verse Titus. Um, just some practical some practical words here. Verse 1 and 2. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate and to show true humility toward all men. These are words for our days, aren't they? And jump down to verse 9 there. Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law or about the election or about COVID or about anything. Because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. These are strong words. Wow. I mean, it's all about love and accepting one another these days, isn't it? This is in a church. Warn a divisive person once and then warn him a second time. Verse 11, you may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. So keeping it simple and, and really smack bang between those practical um, uh, um, words there from verse 4 of chapter 3. There's beautiful words here. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Do you see the, the richness and the symmetry in those words there, that he has saved us? He is the one that has done it. It's the gospel is the Lord's. And do you see him? He's talking about Jesus and the Spirit there. There's, this is a, there's a trinity represented in these verses here. And so the simple gospel is that we were lost. God loved. Jesus came and died, rose again, and now we get to live. And we are heirs of this glorious promise. Yeah. It's a sound and, and simple faith. Yeah. All right. Okay. Another principle. There it is. Expect change. <laughs> I'm not talking from the vending machine. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a dad. Gonna make dad jokes. <laughs> so back in chapter one, verse five, Paul writes, The reason I left you in Crete, uh, which which leads me to believe that Paul was with Silas, uh, with Titus that they were there together starting this work. And then Paul went on, as he often did, left Titus there in place. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So um, Titus is travelling with Paul and then all of a sudden Paul's moving on and he says, now you stay here. So Titus is, is getting used to what it's like working with Paul and he's getting used to actually expecting change. <laughs> I'm not going to put down roots anywhere. Okay. Things could move. Things could change quickly. Um, so... Then again in chapter uh, 3, verse 12... As Paul's wrapping up this letter, listen to this. As soon as I send Artemis 
or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis because I have decided to winter there. As soon as I send Artemis or Tych, Paul doesn't even know who he's going to send. He doesn't know when he's going to send them. He doesn't know how they're going to be sent. But he's saying, as soon as, as, soon as I send one of these guys to you, now you, you leave and you come and visit me. But in the meantime, strengthen the churches that are on Crete. Appoint elders. I believe that in this day and age of change, of an uncertain culture, church, we need to get better at expecting change. We're, we've been sensing this for some time and last year was a great learning curve in learning how to pivot when it comes to the body of Christ, when it comes to, um, when it comes to ministry. We need, we need to learn to adapt quicker than we have ever done before. Paul was in that mode and, and Titus was in that mode as well. And so simply the principle for this is just get ready to move. And if you're stuck in some sense in, in patterns and predictable behaviours in religious ceremony, it's time to get unstuck for the sake of the kingdom. It's not about our personal preferences or our comfort. It's about being ready to move. It's about being ready to pivot quickly as the Lord leads us. And we, we know that that may mean that, that some of you here will, will go, will leave here. We also know that others will come in. But any leaving, changing, anything in the, in the body of Christ, any mix-up, let it be for the sake of the gospel and calling rather than personal preference or individual comfort. Yeah. We're on mission here, guys. Discipleship is about following Jesus, which suggests movement, not stagnation. Um, you might have read in, in the email that was sent out that even here at Flame Tree, we are in need of children's ministries to start up again in a couple of weeks. They're going to be starting up again. And after a year off, we're pretty light on the ground. We're thin on the ground with people to put their hands up in our um, in our Sunday school, in our kids' church, in our creche. And before you start thinking, oh, this is stupid, putting out the call, you know, to babysit or to childmind, this isn't childminding. This is discipling the next generation. And in, an investment in those ministries, teen church as well, we don't have leaders for teen church this year. But, in, but an investment in these ministries is discipling our future worship leaders, our future preachers, our, our future missionaries, our future mums and dads, our future uh, kids who are going to be in the workplace impacting their world. Yeah. Expect change. It's time to move. Uh, do you think those elders were ready? Paul writes to Titus, appoint elders. And I don't know how long Titus and Paul had been there in Crete, but I can tell you that those elders probably didn't think they were ready. Uh, sometimes a, a prerequisite for Christian ministry is a belief that you're not ready. A love for Jesus, a solid love for Jesus, a sound faith, you know, a, a lifestyle that matches that faith. But then also, yeah, I actually don't feel ready. 
I'm not equipped for that. Good. You're ready. This is, this is mobilisation of another, of another level here. As Paul's saying, appoint elders. You know, we're not talking one church. We're talking different cities, different harbours. Crete was an island. Appoint elders, train them, and get ready to leave. At the beginning of every year, many of us ask that question, God, where do you want me this year? And then we get settled and established and we stop asking the question. It's never a bad time to keep asking that question. God, where do you want me? How do you want me positioned? Where do you want me to serve? What are you calling me to do? So I just want to encourage you guys as we continue heading into 2021. Keep coming back to Jesus. Get solid in your faith. If there's been any shaky ground, look at the words, the works, the ways of Jesus. Know him afresh. Let his teaching, let the Holy Spirit cultivating you a lifestyle of, of praise, of, of worship, of, of orthopraxy, keeping your faith simple and profound at the same time and get ready to move. It might mean a physical move. It may not mean a physical move. It might mean a realignment or a readjustment into something new, but be ready. Yeah, Father, I thank you. We thank you for your goodness your mercy. We thank you for this gospel that we get to call ours, that your story becomes our story, Jesus. Oh, it's such a gift. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today that you would firm up our faith, make it stronger than ever. Lord, keep us childlike, keep us surrendered to your purposes. Jesus, we pray that, uh, that our lives would shine your light in a crooked and depraved generation. Keep us from baseless arguments, Lord God, and controversies to seek you first, Lord God, in your kingdom. Father, we look forward to what you want to do in and through us. And we ask, Lord, afresh that for Flame Tree, Lord, you would continue to establish and expand your kingdom through every one of our lives. God, we love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Don't forget Thursday night with YWAM. And we'll see you next time. Oh.